Welcome to the Erectile Dysfunction Radio Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to educating and empowering men to address erectile dysfunction, improve confidence, and enhance the satisfaction in their relationships. This podcast is brought to you by ErectionIQ.com. Learn more at ErectionIQ.com. Welcome to the Erectile Dysfunction Radio Podcast. I am Mark Goldberg, Certified Sex Therapist. I am deeply passionate about working with men like you to help resolve their ED. Today, I'm really excited that we are joined by Ven Vera. Ven is an award-winning motivational speaker based in Toronto, Canada. Ven is also a man of tremendous courage who shared his personal story of overcoming erectile dysfunction in a public forum. To say I was impressed when I heard his TED Talk would be an understatement. I found it inspiring and it strengthened my resolve as a clinician to continually work to help more and more men resolve their erectile dysfunction. Ven, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Mark. The first thing I'll say is um, I was in Toronto. I recently relocated to Vancouver, so it's a beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia. Uh, But I'm happy to be here, Mark. Always a pleasure to share my story and to really help uh, men out there that are dealing with their shame, their erectile dysfunction, and even uh, women that are with those men and to be able to help and and help them in in that situation. Um, Ever since I did that TED Talk, I had, and other talks as well, I've had many people people approach me, uh, I'd say every other day I get requests from all around the world from men um, telling me how that uh, my story touched them and inspired them and that they're going through what they're going through and they want their own happy ending. So uh, I'm very happy to be here, Mark. Whatever I can do to help spread the message, I will do. Well, thank you very much. And many of our listeners likely are going to find themselves in situations or experiences similar to what you've been through. So I want to ask you, Van, if you can just please start us off by sharing your story. Sure, absolutely. So I was um, based in Montreal, Canada back then, uh, was a university student, was very uh, popular student council president uh, in college, university. I was an athlete and I used to play soccer. And as a result of playing soccer and being a great goalie and being a fearless goalie, I got hit uh, many times in between my in between my legs by the soccer ball didn't have a jack strap. Uh, obviously, I think my erectile dysfunction had a, a multiple reasons of why it occurred, but I never got treated because I was so ashamed of what I was dealing with. And uh, from a spiritual perspective, I said God's going to take care of it. God's going to take care of it, and um, never really addressed it because I was uh, too ashamed to share my story. Long story short, uh, I went to university, um, realized I had an issue. Um, Every time I would uh, meet uh, different women and things would get uh, more intimate, I would break up the relationship right away because I didn't want her to find out. And it really broke my heart, Mark, because I was really under this uh, place where I loved the woman I was with, but I just couldn't bear them finding out about my erectile dysfunction. So it was very much of a difficult position to be in. And uh, that went on for several years. Um, Nobody knew about my condition, my situation. I was very much uh, with me and myself. And in fact, it's scary because at one point it got, I thought a viable solution would be to leave my family, my friends, everybody I love and travel halfway around the world and just start my life by myself with my, uh, with my own shame and just lead my life like that. And I'm so glad I didn't do that, Mark. But essentially what 
it led to is I went on this personal development program, uh, wanted to go from good to great, realized that, um, oh my God, there's actually something that is uh, subconsciously dug under the carpet that I'm not addressing, which is my erectile dysfunction, and I need to do something about it. So I went to see a doctor. The doctor referred me to a specialist. That specialist referred me to a urologist who, if I'm not mistaken, was um perhaps one of the the best urologists in the country. And he was so interested in my condition and uh, my situation at my age that he wanted to bring me under his wing as part of his own research. So that's where my journey began, my my journey to healing began. Mm -hmm. I actually had the courage for the first time to share my condition with a doctor. I'm so glad I did, Mark, and it really changed everything. It took me from 10 years of living in darkness and not telling my story or my condition to anyone to actually revealing that I had a problem and I wanted to do, address it to have a better life. So the doctor really helped me. And over a case of one year, we went through multiple treatments. Now you have to imagine it was also part of his research. So at some point I had other students that look like my age, looking at my penis and taking notes and things of that nature. So it took a lot of uh, courage to be able to Say, you know what? This is bigger than me. This is something that I have to overcome. And by all means necessary, I'm going to get to that point. Eventually, the doctor came back to me and said, the worst case scenario, Van, is we need to do a surgery. And he came up to me one day and he said, Van, we're going to have, we tried so many things, we're going to have to do that surgery. And at that point, I was concerned because as part of the surgery, it would ha- it would mean that I would have to be induced to, to be asleep so that they can perform the surgery. Mm-hmm. And um, my cousin had passed away a few years earlier than that because she had to be put to sleep. And I, I don't know the whole reason behind it. I think it may have been an overdose or something of that nature, but she passed away. And all you need is one person to pass away from that. And you're like, oh, my God, could, could this what be a trauma? What a trauma. Could this be the end for me too, right? And nobody knows. My mom doesn't know. My dad doesn't know. My sisters don't know. My friends don't know. Nobody knows I'm going through this. Here we are in the morning. I'm heading to my operation. Uh, I get a call from the doctor's office telling me that they have to cancel the operation because the doctor had an emergency procedure, which happened overnight. So they had to rebook me for another surgery in two months time. Now in that two months, I knew deep in my heart that I had to do something about it. And, um, and the reason why I knew is because I remember going on Facebook and I wrote, um, I'm like, if this is my last post, let it be this. My life is my message. And I just wrote that. And I'm like, this could be the end of me, right? And then I got a reply from my mom on my post saying, no, your life is my message. Wow. And it really struck me. And I'm like, you know, Coming back, I have two months and I'm like, I have to do something about this. Um, so I told my I told my my older sister, told my younger sister, told my dad separately, went for a walk, told my mom. They all were so loving, so understanding, so caring, even wondering why I took so long to even tell them that I went through this. And um, eventually... Uh, I told a few friends and they're like, oh yeah, it totally makes sense now. <laughs> you know, like you're the guy that would meet girls, but would never close with girls or whatever uh, that meant. Right. Um, well, eventually so you, you went through this process of disclosing this to friends and family. Yes. Which was huge. Um, but I did it one-on-one. It was always one-on-one um, because I wanted to gauge their reaction and, I have to say the first time I said it was to my older sister. She was the one I got, I at least got, I was not getting along with her. And I felt that 
let me go straight to the, the person I at least get along with and just reveal it to her. I didn't know why. I just felt I had to do it. And the floodgates opened. I was crying. I remember I was at a coffee place and she was so loving and understanding. And that completely shifted my relationship with her. And that gave me courage to speak to other people. And, you know, the more I shared, the more I cried, but eventually that stopped and I was more direct and able, being able to share my story. I remember when I shared it with my dad, he tried to, you know, put a bit of humor there because he didn't want me to feel bad about my condition. He just wanted me to, you know, it's part of life. It's okay. You just got to deal with what you got to deal in. Um, so I did reveal it. Then I went to the operation room two months later uh, with a few people in my closest circle knowing about my situation, was ready for the surgery. And I told the doctor uh, there, okay, I'm ready. And they're like, uh, we're actually done because <laughs> they had induced me to fall asleep. I had, I didn't know that. I, I, I guess I didn't know. And I was just like, okay, I'm ready. They're like, done. <laughs> and I'm like, so a few weeks later, I went back, saw the doctor. He, he was very impressed with my recovery. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, he said either it was the best recovery he's seen someone go through or one of the best. And um, he's like, you're ready. Go out there. Enjoy your life. You have a second chance to enjoy so the, life. The, the urologist told you that physically you are you're able to gain and maintain an erection. Correct. Go correct. out and enjoy your life. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So so then by luck, I was a speaker. I spoke on stage and this girl, uh, I caught her attention, I guess, and she was so beautiful. And I remember we tried uh, three times and all three times it didn't work. And the shame grew bigger and bigger and bigger. And at that point, I went back to see the doctor and I was like, doctor, you said it was going to work. It didn't work. What's going on? Because I really thought I had a second chance to life. And he said, well, physically, you're healed. But then you still have 10 years of trauma you haven't addressed. And at that point, he referred me to a, a therapist. And uh, that began my nine-month journey with a therapist. And in those therapy sessions, I, I, from what I recall, I, I talked about myself. I talked about life. I talked about my, my erectile dysfunction. We, we kind of looked at what I thought it meant and what it actually meant from a factual perspective. And we try to bridge the gap between what was in my head and what is actually happening. And another in, uh, interesting thing was that I realized that my erectile dysfunction wasn't just about the erectile dysfunction. It was about my entire life, my family, my friends, my relationship, uh, what it meant to me as a man, what it meant to me as a somebody in the workplace. It was just like everything, everything at the source had something to do with how I felt about the erectile dysfunction that I had, whether it was conscious or subconscious. Um, but over nine months of therapy, of meeting with that person every week and, and sharing my feelings, the more I shared, the more I healed, the more I cried, the more I took it from within me to being able to then be healed from that erectile dysfunction. And then that led me to uh, the therapist telling me, Van, I'm very um, pretty sure you're, you're ready now to proceed forward. And you've done a lot of great work over the last few months. And now it's time for you to meet someone intimately and um, eventually engage in sexual intercourse. And um, I was a bit concerned because I did have that failure a few months uh, back and I'm like, um, I didn't want to repeat that. And I was a well-known guy in Montreal and she's like, well, 
why don't you try online dating? Because back then there was no Tinder, no Bumble, no none of those uh, dating apps that were that is so prevalent in our society today. Back then it was uh, online dating. Uh, I think the two big ones were Match.com and eHarmony. And um, sure. we, we decided to go with eHarmony because it wasn't a search engine back then. And you would just get matches every morning. And if I see somebody that I know at 6 a.m., I could just like block them if I don't want them to know about me going back in online dating because for me that was a stigma back then it's not something I wanted people to know that I was I was doing so January 3rd I signed up to eHarmony January 4th I get my first matches January 11th I'm going on my first date sometime in March I have my first sexual interaction uh, inter intercourse I mean and uh and it worked it worked. Wow. And I'm like, uh, are, is it, is that it? Is that it? Cause I think I got, I, I think that was it. I like, I wasn't sure. Right. Um, but it, it worked and it was just, wow, this was great. You know, like this was uh, a huge uh, accomplishment and a lot released from me. So long story short, that was like my first time at a later age, like 28. Um, I believe it was 28. Um, and then, uh, yeah, eventually that was a girl that I got engaged to, got married to. And then there's a whole story about this year of us not being together anymore, N- not related to the erectile dysfunction, but that's just part of life and, and the journey we went through. But in the time that we had together, this was a huge victory for me, a second chance to life. It took a lot of courage, Mark, to be able to address this, mm-hmm. speak about it, go through all these steps to get there. But looking back, I'm so happy I did this. And the reason why I shared my TED Talk was because I didn't want people to go through 10 years again of dealing with their shame alone. And the stats are really revealing. Like Yale, if I'm not mistaken, Yale said uh, 300 million men um, by 2025 will be dealing with erectile dysfunction. Uh, Harvard said one out of four men under the age of 40 is dealing with erectile dysfunction. I don't know how they're getting their stats. I do believe the numbers may be higher um, because a lot of men have been approaching me since my TED talk within my circle and people from all around the world telling me that they've dealt with some form of erectile dysfunction. And I have had women approach me and telling me that they've also uh, you know, been in situations with men uh, that have been dealing with, dealing with this and how can they approach them or help them. Uh, as they're going through what they're going through. Um, so it's been so liberating to, for me to share my story, for me to have gone through that journey. Um, I'm so glad I did. And whatever I can do to help men and women overcome their shame is something that I want to be part of. I know in the speaking world, I'm known as that funny guy, that vibrant speaker. Like the, I think I once got coined as like Tony Robbins dipped in chocolate. But I, I also feel that um, I want people to know that there's also a vulnerable side to me, a side to me where um, I want to have real conversations. I want to talk about things that um, uh, I want to be that vehicle, that instrument to be able to bring to the surface um, conversations that are not talked about. I know in the South Asian community, for example, uh, talking about sex or erectile dysfunction uh, can be quite taboo. Um, So I want to be able to, you know, be that person to be able to say, hey, let's have a conversation because this or other topics are happening um, in our society, whether it's South Asian or overall, right? Yeah, I was going to say, it, it seems like a pretty taboo topic. It in, is. Anywhere. Anywhere. And- in fact, um, in, in a previous discussion I had with someone, they referred to it as the last taboo, the last big taboo, because men are not, not all men, I'm generalizing here, but many men 
that are dealing with that issue are not coming to the forefront. And I, I want them to know that it's okay to go through this. It's okay to talk about it. And the more you talk about it, the more you address it, there are solutions out there. In fact, when I was dealing with what I was dealing with back in 2011, there were less solutions. And now we're in 2020 and there's so many solutions available almost in 2021, but so many solutions available at our disposal to be able to, to address this issue, whether it's physical, psychological, there are there are solutions. There are people out there uh, waiting to be able to help you, including yeah. you, Mark. <laughs> yes, and and you know I am one of those people that's committed right to helping right try to be a part of of expanding the solutions and uh, being able to help men um, overcome the shame, the embarrassment, um, and find ways to really just live live a much you know, better and a higher quality life. Mm-hmm. So Ven, can I ask you a few questions about, about your journey? Uh, because yeah. I encounter men who are experiencing all different types and manifestations of erectile dysfunction. It certainly is not a singular, simple condition. Um, it, can, it can manifest itself in all kinds of different ways. So one of the things that hearing your story I'm curious about is when you discovered this, Right. It sounds like you were in your late teens. Is that correct? Correct. About right. Now, was this only happening when you went to engage with a partner or were you noticing some manifestations of erectile dysfunction with with masturbation or, you know, not getting you know erection in the morning or something of that nature? So that's a very good question, Mark. And I would say all of the above, whether it's masturbation and and not getting that full erection or not getting it consistently in the morning. Um, But also in my situation, it was a physical issue. There was actually a vertical curvature and a side curvature as well. So it's not like I could not not see it. It was very visible to me that that was something that I was dealing with. But of course, I tried to hide it. I try to normalize it like it like like it was just part of me and I and 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 in thinking it would just take care of its own or reshape back eventually in its own way right but no it was very visible to me that that was that was there yeah so you knew that early on both both on your own and going to engage correct correct okay now what role do you think inaccurate or missing information played in the length of time that you experienced erectile dysfunction? Um, It played a huge part. I think uh, definitely misinformation is a a big part of it, not um, being educated in in knowing uh, why this is happening, not uh, being educated to know uh, what are the solutions out there. Perhaps were part of me taking longer to address the issue. In my case, it was also, well, I mean, it was just me being so ashamed about what I was going through and having a story in my head and believing that story and just going with that or avoiding the issue to such a point that I just didn't want to address it, right? Um, looking back, I wish I had gotten the help much sooner that I would actually inform myself much sooner and find the information about, well, why does somebody deal with erectile dysfunction? What are the different potential causes to an erectile dysfunction? Um, What are the solutions available um, to be able to address that erectile dysfunction? So I definitely feel that if I had addressed this earlier on, it would have, um, it would not have taken 10 years to, to get to a solution. Yeah. And you know, the shame, the shame that you described feeling, I think is so common um, and probably is the biggest barrier to mm-hmm. uh, men being able to find 
right, the solution or a solution that's going to work for them, right? It's just going and talking to somebody about what's happening and, uh, you know, hearing you kind of describe that hope that it'll just reshape itself and it'll start working the way it's supposed to and really holding on to that hope for a long while, right? As opposed to going to talk to somebody about it. I think it's really, really common that a lot yeah. of men do experience. It is. And, and you know what? Um, again, it's a story in our head, but it's looking at the story versus the facts. And it's important not to just stay in the story, but also get the facts, get the medical support, get the professional experts to be able to weigh in on the situation. So um, that that is also equally important. And I, I do trust that if uh, men out there seek professional help, that they will be able to have a better overview of what they are dealing with and being able to address them and, and perhaps even change that story in their head. Yeah. So speaking of changing the stories in, in people's heads, another area that I was really interested in asking you about is when you're describing this time period in your, probably your early twenties mm-hmm. and, you know, in your social circles, you know, guys are, are going out looking for sexual partners there. I think you use the term closing the deal. Yeah. Um, and I'm wondering about your experience of performance anxiety. And in particular, maybe you can share some of the things that would go on inside of your head um, when you went to engage with a potential partner, but felt like you would not be able to close the deal. What were some of the things that might be going through your head at the time? Sure. And I think that'll be a two-part uh, answer. The first part is about around being around those friends that are all talking about, uh, you know, their sexual conquests or like I, they're, they're the partners that they're in. Or um, I think for to be able to engage in these conversations was very much where I had to actually pretend that I was actually also going through uh, similar situations with them, even though it wasn't true. And uh, yeah, just having those conversations, like boys being boys and just talking about it um, was just one area where I was like, well, if that's normal and I'm not living normal, then what am I living? Right. So that was, that was one thing that was important for me. Now, whenever I got to uh, a more intimate a relationship with someone and we got closer to potentially having a, sex, a sexual intercourse, there was a lot of fear. There was a lot of fear, Mark. I was just very much in my own head, knowing, believing for sure that it wouldn't work. So either she finds out and I feel way more ashamed that I'm already really ashamed, or I cut this off and uh, then I may be perceived as a as a player or someone that maybe is hard to get or hard to please. And then it's kind of like a protective m- mechanism, right? Mm-hmm. So I um, I preferred that option to save face, if I can say it that way, and, and uh, not have to address the issue. So it was kind of um, unfortunate that I, I went that route, but you know, when you're dealing with fear, shame, guilt, it, those those were the solutions that came to my mind to be able to deal with this, address with this, and perhaps not even address the solution or perhaps give it a try because I was so convinced in my story that it wouldn't work. So what's yeah. the point of going further and trying? And 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 if if I was right, then what shame would I? experience that I did not want to experience with that girl and what would they go and say to whoever again all stories right that would put me in such a position to uh, expose my erectile dysfunction yes and and it sounds like what you're describing is almost like you made the decision that you were not going to be able to perform so mm-hmm. then it was just like an, like what's my exit strategy how am I going to avoid having to even get to that point 
right? Because it wasn't even a fear that it wasn't going to work. It was a knowledge. It was that mm. deep inside of you, right? Correct. So, the, so it was just like this anticipatory anxiety right? and not wanting to engage. Correct. Yeah. Did you feel a disappointment in yourself afterwards or did you feel a relief? Huge disappointment. Uh, huge disappointment because, um, you know, every time I would get into a relationship and it would be intimate, the feelings were true. I was really in love or I was really um, interested. And uh, to have to break someone's heart for the case to be able to exit from, um, you know, not exposing my erectile dysfunction was very much heartbreaking for myself as well. So I was like breaking my own heart as a result of that process. So I was disappointed, but it's far more than the word disappointment. I was heartbroken. Mm -hmm. um, again, just feeling feelings of sadness and, and more. It was like a, like really like a devastation. Devastation is probably a bigger word. Yeah. 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 Then another thing that I'm curious about is in your therapy process. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of people are curious about what, what actually goes on in the ther therapy process for erectile dysfunction. And I think it's unique uh, to each person, uh, each man who's experiencing that. But I'm wondering if you learned specific factors about yourself, right, that had been contributing, right, to not being able to achieve an erection, right? And over time, you were able to address those, right, and then get, to your, get yourself to a place where you could more reliably gain and maintain an erection? Yeah, so that, that's a very good question. I, um, the therapy definitely helped. It helped me on multiple levels. And yes, it is personalized and addressed to each person's individual um, condition or whatever they're going through or wherever they're at uh, in, their, in their recovery. Um, for me, what I remember is there was a mix of, um, you know, demystifying what I thought was true to what are the actual facts and actually reading um, several books or, or even chapters of several books that are specific about what is, um, you know, what is a penis? Uh, what is the whole process of like a penis and then going through uh, getting an erection and, and in penetration and, and so on. Um, the process of um, just what are some of the reasons why people go have an erectile dysfunction and, um, and then there was also the emotion. Well, so th that touched the intellectual part, really getting to understand uh, what are the potential reasons behind erectile dysfunction? What are the solutions? What is the anatomy, anatomy of, a, of, a, of a male and their penis? And like what really goes on down there at a very spe specific level? Um, and then equally so addressing the emotional uh, layers. So uh, what did this erectile dysfunction mean for me in terms of uh, not realizing that it just wasn't about me and myself. It was about how I perceive myself, how I perceive relationships, how I perceive my family, my friends, my work, um, and everything else in my life. So it was really uncovering these layers again and again, and, and really going from what was my story to what was really happening, and just uh, releasing that for me emotionally, and at the same time, factually understanding what is the actual truth versus what was the story I made up in my head. It was a big process. It's like you're going through so much, so much, so much, and the more you talk, and then one day, click, there's a little switch that says, oh yeah, I get it. This is not, uh, this is not 
true and this is really what's going on here and uh, but the process leading to that was was very important mm-hmm. and going through that therapy session really got me to a place of understanding what 10 years of trauma caused to my life and uh how how there was a solution at the end uh if i was willing to to address it and talk about it and, and really be curious about it so i'm very grateful for the therapy that i've gone through and uh, I'm still in touch with that therapist and she's from time to time just uh, sh- shared, her, shared my TED talk with her and she's been very helpful in uh, making me remember what I went through in those therapy sessions way back in the day. Yes. And I, I, I like the way you describe that, that coming to that point, that aha moment, right, where uh-huh. things click and they pivot. And and understanding there's a process to getting there. Of course. Um, you know, sometimes men want to just get to that click <laughs> and not go through the whole process. And I see that it, you know, in, in my practice at times. Um, but the the, pro- the the therapy process is so valuable, right? To being able to get to that aha moment, that click, mm-hmm. right? To be able to really see things differently, think about the process differently, experience the process differently, mm-hmm. and ultimately lead to better erection. So to that end, Ven, were you able to get to a point where you could relax and enjoy sex with a partner? Yes. Yes, I could. And um, hallelujah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, no, yes, I could. And um, I'm I'm glad I'm glad it's uh, that's where I'm at right now. And, and I'm glad that uh, this is the reality I'm living. Um, So there is there is hope, there is a happy ending. If, um, if men are willing to put in the work and talk about their emotions and talk about what they're facing and, and, you know, bridging the gap between what they think and what is. Yes. Now not getting an erection is normal at times. It is normal. And it's going to happen. Right. Even when you do all this good work, right. I think it's part, it's part of just the natural order of, of being a male. Right. Is that is that your penis does not always respond exactly when you want it to. How did you handle those experiences of not getting an erection after you had been through this process? I'm really happy you're mentioning that. And, and I'm glad that that's part of what we're discussing as well today, because there will be times when there will you know, the erection may not come for various reasons. Could be stress, could be, could be being tired, could be whatever. It could be any reason. And uh, I was very grateful that I trusted the process. I knew that it worked. So I knew that if it happened, it was just, you know, not the end of the world. It's just, it is what it is. I had a very supportive partner. So if it didn't work, it didn't work. And, and just, you know, call it a day and the sun will rise tomorrow and we'll try again. And, uh, and then, you know, there were situations where the next day it was working again and it was just part of the journey, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's very important as a, as a man to understand that the erection may not always happen. And if it doesn't happen, it's okay. Even after going through all of that, there are times when there may not be an erection and it's just... Uh, part of being a male and just having to deal with whatever we're dealing with. And it's just, you know, again, trying different things and then, you know, it, it will, it will be okay. Yeah. And I have such an appreciation for not only just the, the terminology that you use, but just the calm demeanor that you have when talking about it, because it is so important mm-hmm. right, to not kind of cycle back into the anxiety 
right? Mm-hmm. If and when inevitably you lose that erection at some point down the line, right? To be able to kind of just stay calm and understand it's part of the process. And like you said, the sun will come up the next day, right? And there's a pretty high chance that you're going to be able to gain and maintain an erection when needed. Correct. Yes. What would you say has been the quality of life improvement for you since addressing the erectile dysfunction? I think the biggest thing is freedom. And what I mean by freedom is freedom of expression, freedom, freedom of being who I am, uh, not having to um, live, live a, 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 like a double life where I'm one thing, but then I'm addressing things in a different way. I think for me to be able to fully express myself in terms of who I am, uh, not just like sexually, right? Like also um, my level of confidence uh, has rose to a different level. Um, Being able to be free and be who I am and express myself fully has been quite a transformational journey. And uh, even as a speaker, like now I'm very much dedicated and committed to fully bring out all the layers of who Ven is, the vibrant Ven, the vulnerable Ven, the visionary Ven. I want everybody to be exposed to all of that. So um, there's this sense of freedom, of being free and being in full self-expression, which is beautiful. And to be able to talk about everything and and seeing it for what it is rather than what we think it is, is is a blessing. Yeah. So for me, that has been the, the major transformation. Yeah, and I just get this because a genuine sense and a vulnerability that you're able to share. Mm-hmm. Right? And that, that, that seems to expand way beyond just the erectile dysfunction, but just being more full and wholesome with yourself and being able to share that with others. Would you say that's been a part of that journey or something that has come out of that journey of addressing the erectile dysfunction? Absolutely. So for me, being able to have these type of conversations has been a a huge game changer for me to uh, normalize erectile dysfunction and and for people to know that, hey, this is just part of being a human being. This is part of our fabric as humans. And uh, it is just one of different things that people are dealing with. And to be able to bring out my story of shame and to be able to overcome how I uh, to address how I've overcome that brings hope to people. And it um, not just for men and erectile dysfunction, but for even women that are dealing with their own shame. And uh, to be able to have these conversations has really touched a lot of people and has touched me in hearing other people's stories as well. And people coming up to me and telling me their stories of how they've overcome shame has been um, so freeing and opening. So for me, it's just been, uh, it's been a game changer, Mark. Wow. I mean, I'm, I'm moved just listening to you talk about this. What message would you want to give to men who may find themselves in a similar place to where you were? So my message to them is uh, seek professional help, whether it's a doctor, a therapist, um, or, or other healthcare professionals, definitely seek, seek help. There are hands that are there uh, waiting to grab yours. Uh, don't wait and, and stay in your, um, in your story, in your head. Get the help you need. There is hope. And there are solutions out there. Um, so definitely um, don't keep this to yourself. Don't wait. Don't do like, learn from my mistake. Don't wait 10 years before addressing this. Like get the help now. Let this video or this message now, or if you've heard my TED talk, let that be the sign you needed to take action, to, to do something about it. Uh, because there are solutions out there to help you, lead you to a happier, healthier quality of life. Then, like I said in the beginning, I, I, th- I think that you're amazing for having the courage to share your personal story 
And I think it goes so such a long way um, toward helping to try to break the stigma. Do you have any final thoughts about what else can be done right, to help break the stigma around erectile dysfunction? Yes, um, I, I recommend people come forward and share their stories when they have the courage or when they're happy. Um, the more men and women talk about this, the more this will be normalized. The more people bring this to the forefront, like we're doing today with this video, the more we're helping to raise the awareness that this is an issue, that this is a taboo topic that needs to be brought to the forefront, that needs to be addressed. The statistics don't lie. It's very clear that a lot of men are dealing with this and we need to raise the awareness. We need to talk about it. The more people talk about it, the more people bring this to the forefront, the more it's going to be normalized, the more people will be exposed to the solutions available and will have the courage to take action. So speak up, share, and help yourself and other people in the process. Well, thank you for that. And then this has been such an amazing opportunity to be able to speak with you to help further spread this message uh, that men should not feel like they're alone, that there isn't help out there. And to be able to hear your story and to look at their own feelings of shame and to really know that there are other people out there that have not only overcome that shame in a private setting, just between them and their doctor, them and their therapist, uh, but have really kind of pushed that limit and brought this into the public sphere. And that that helps, that makes a difference. Um, it's just such a powerful, powerful thing for you to do. I have such appreciation for you coming on and speaking with us today. And I cannot wait to help get this interview out to as many men as possible. Thank you so much for your time. And we look forward to having you on in the future. Thank you, Mark. And thank you for everything you do. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Erectile Dysfunction Radio Podcast. For more information on today's topic and understanding how the mind impacts erectile dysfunction, please visit ErectionIQ.com. That's ErectionIQ.com.